This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, welcome back. Welcome to this hour. Rob Breckenridge with you here on the Chorus Radio Network. Our number in Calgary, 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Got some time for your calls coming up later in this hour. Got a lot more to get to in the program today. Later on this afternoon, don't forget, it is budget day. That budget comes down at 3.15 or so this afternoon. And we're going to hear from, uh, among others tomorrow, the uh, finance minister himself, Travis Taves. But off the top of this hour, let's continue the conversation around vaccines. And uh, yeah, we spent some time talking about some of the problems in rolling out vaccines. And I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to talk about more problems as this all goes along. It's uh, definitely a big undertaking. But I want to focus as well on what the payoff is. You know, why we're doing this and what kind of results we expect to achieve here. For example, the New York Times today reporting on some really interesting data out of the U.S., that since vaccines became available, uh, cases, coronavirus cases among nursing home residents of the U.S. have dropped more than 80 percent. Deaths have decreased by more than 65 percent. And we're starting to see that that here. Alberta has focused, obviously, on vaccinating those in long-term care. And uh, the data already is pretty encouraging. Infection rates uh, are down, down quite significantly, in fact. Uh, amongst uh, long-term care residents in Alberta. So it it starts to get us to a position where really ultimately we want to be, to say these vaccines are working, now what? Does that mean that we can start to ease some of the restrictions that are in place in long-term care? Well, joining us to talk more about uh, some of these issues and uh, where we go from here, we're pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Dr. Lenora Saxinger, infectious disease doctor and associate professor in the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry at the University of Alberta. Dr. Saxinger, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. All right. So like I say, man, I think part of the reason why people are frustrated at what happened yesterday, there's such an eagerness to get vaccinated, and we're seeing some really encouraging data about just how good these vaccines are in the real world. And I guess that's a good place to be, uh, you know, in, in terms of having some of that data. What, what are you seeing uh, so far, just kind of big picture in terms of the impact already? Well, I mean, the, the biggest thing that became apparent, I mean, we had the, the lockdown before Christmas, and so cases started to decline, and it took a long time for that to come through to hospital. We're, so where I work, um, over the past weeks, we've seen, you know, kind of decongestion of COVID in the hospital. Things are feeling a lot more comfortable, a lot more normal, thank goodness. But we've also really seen um, a significant drop in the admission of frail patients who have COVID-19. And of course, not all frail long-term care patients end up getting transferred into hospital, but I still think that that was quite notable. And then when you just scan the data that, that you know, is, a, is available to me anyway, it's really amazing the number of deaths that we were seeing from you know a long-term care setting over most of December was just heartbreaking. It was terrible, and that trickled down over 
January and essentially kind of disappeared in February. Um, there, the other thing to look at is, you know, how many outbreaks there were and if there were outbreaks, how many people were affected and how many deaths were associated. And all of those numbers also have been dropping very steadily. Of course, I can't tell which one of those, you know, long-term care homes were vaccinated when, but the overall pattern is is truly remarkably reassuring. Like, it's fantastic, actually. Yeah, it's encouraging. I mean, you know, we started in December, uh, late December with uh, long-term care homes. I think most long-term care residents have now had both doses of a vaccine, as I understand. And, you know, we, we're seeing the payoff. We're seeing, as you say, cases are down. These outbreaks are down. Uh, one stat here from, from Post Media, in February, only one person has so far died associated with a COVID outbreak in a long-term care setting. That compares to more than 150 in December. That's That's a, that's a big difference, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's so reassuring because we're always worried that, um, you know, the very old people or frail people might not have as strong a vaccine response, but this really does appear to be substantially protective. And um, it, it really is something that we've needed. <laughs> so it's, it's great news for long-term care. And also now that we can get more elderly people in the community uh, immunized, we should continue to see those benefits. So, I mean, we, we start to get to a point then that maybe it, maybe it's now, maybe it's soon, where we have a conversation around the rules and restrictions that exist in long-term care settings. Those rules are there for a reason, obviously. But at the same time, this, this whole ordeal has been very difficult on, on those who live in long-term care, very isolating for those who live in long-term care. So, I don't know, what, what's your sense of where we're at then on, on that question? You know, it's. Uh, I actually think that there does need to be some, you know, review of the risk benefit of allowing more visitors, especially those supportive visitors who actually provide kind of daily interactive care to to people in long-term mm-hmm. care. Because there, there's quite a cohort, I think, of really dedicated friends and family who had been in the habit of regularly attending with their loved ones in a long-term care setting. And, and I think that's been a really a devastating part of the isolation that's been required to, to have that lost. Um, I think that my understanding is, anyway, that public health is actually looking for the kind of formal vaccine effectiveness data so that they can actually lay out, here's the risk-benefit calculation, and this is who we're going to let in when. And and so there is a little bit of a process associated with that. So the gestalt, this is going much, much better, might not quite be um, detailed enough for them to make a lot of policy changes, but it's my understanding that it's being looked at pretty actively. And I'm also going to be interested to see what happens in places that are farther along in this process. So, you know, if we look at the UK or the US where there's been more vaccine given in these populations, what the experience has been with starting to open up and how to open up more for that interactivity. Right. I mean, it makes sense to to be careful with this and, and obviously to be data driven. But, uh, you yeah, know, there's probably some urgency in, in addressing this as well. So it's it's a tricky balance, isn't it? It, it really is. I mean, I, uh, I'm i not a public health person, so I'm all just guns blazing, let them in, but it's probably right. not necessarily the right thing to do. The, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, they've been challenged by, like, bandwidth, actually, because it's been everyone in, in public health and in the information support area in public health have had, like, 10 to 20 times more work to do than usual for a full year without necessarily a whole lot of extra resources. And so... I think um, the, t- the timeliness issue is, is always a bit of a challenge, 
But, you know, I, I do have a sense that it's being looked at pretty actively. And, and again, you know, you can never guarantee um, anything. You can, you can just give a really strong risk-benefit assessment and try to be as sensible as possible as we work through this. Uh, one thing that might actually change the equation would be, you know, if we start seeing reinfections related to variants um, to which the vaccines are, you know, less effective, mm-hmm. that might change the risk calculation. But I think we have a window here where, you know, we can at least improve the quality of life of people who, who've really been affected by the isolation um, over the last while. Yeah, we can't overlook that side of it. And I mean, you know, between the, the vaccinations, I mean, obviously there's still a, a role for PPE. And, and I know the province is planning on rolling out uh, rapid tests as, as kind of a screening to at least for those who work in long-term care. So I think between the three, you know, that, that gives us a lot of safeguards still, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that, you know, a combination of, of you know, good screening, um, using PPE because no screening is perfect, like the rapid tests are good in, in some settings, but you can't use them as a rule-out test. You can only say if someone's positive, you can't really say if they're negative. So it's like another another step, another filter. Um, and then PPE use in the home, making sure that, you know, people who are coming into the home have had a chance to be immunized and being particular about that kind of protection. I think all those steps seem like things that should be doable. I'm, I'm really kind of hopeful and that, that we'll be able to put some plans together to allow people to have access to support their loved ones. Yeah, let's hope so. We'll leave it there. Dr. Saxinger, appreciate your insight, and uh, thanks for making some time for us here this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, take care. That is uh, Dr. Lenora Saxinger, infectious disease uh, physician, associate professor in the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry, University of Alberta. So in her view... The numbers are pretty compelling in terms of what we're seeing, that the uh, efficacy data on the vaccines is very compelling. The data we're seeing from other jurisdictions, like the one uh, we mentioned, the story today out of the U.S., again, very encouraging. So let's move forward. We can still move forward cautiously, but let's let's move forward. I think we're in a good position when it comes to long-term care and being able to, to go back and re-examine some of these restrictions. It was understandable, obviously, that we would be doing everything we can to keep the virus out of long-term care settings, to try to prevent outbreaks. And look, frankly, we didn't do a good job, honestly. And, And really, no jurisdiction has, or very few have. So it's not something that's unique to Alberta by any stretch. But now that we've got residents vaccinated... We're already starting to see that payoff in terms of cases being down and outbreaks being down and deaths being down. And we're seeing similar trends in other jurisdictions. Uh, We should acknowledge that. I I get that we all want to be cautious and, you know, we don't know for sure every, you know, potential scenario, whether it be, you know, the vaccine efficacy, whether it be variants, whatever. Let's not sell ourselves short when it comes to the the successes we have had. We haven't had a lot, uh, so let's not sell ourselves short when we do have successes. And I think that this is is looking like it represents one. Okay, like I say, we're going to have some open line time in this hour for 03-974-8255 in Calgary. 780-496-0063 is the number in Edmonton. We can certainly talk a bit more about what happened yesterday with the vaccine rollout and clearly strong opinions on both sides that this was a screw up. The problem. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And should have been ready. Versus, hey, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. We're expecting too much. Things seem to be going more or less just fine at this point. So we can talk about that. Got some other issues to get to as well. It's Rob Breckenridge sitting in here today. You're listening to the Chorus Radio Network. All right, welcome back. We'll have some time for your calls coming up uh, after 1030. And, well, we got some time for your calls right now. You've got a few minutes before the bottom of the hour. Uh, so, again, if you're in Calgary, you can reach us, 403-974-8255. Here in Edmonton, uh, the number is 780-496-0063. And uh, let's get uh, to the phones here. We've got Anne on the line this morning. Uh, let me try that. There we go. Anne, good morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I understood that uh, the registration for the vaccine was for people 75 and over. Uh, I'm 86 years old. I got online, registered, mm-hmm. got my requisition number, and appointment time for 510 Yesterday, I was lucky. When I got there at 5 to 5, there was a lineup about three blocks. So I went straight to the front door, and there was a security person there, and I gave them my requisition number and my time, my appointment time, and she just sort of shook her head. Um, What I would suggest that they do, they should have a security person at the front uh, front entrance, checking for Alberta Healthcare and RD, ID plus requisition numbers. And another security person should be going down the lineup asking people if they had their registration requisition number and if they did bring them up to the front entrance. Instead, people with canes and in um, wheelchairs are waiting in line that have requisition numbers and people that were, I swear, they were under 45 years old. I had to Mm. wait three quarters of an hour before I got to a nurse to get my shot. I just feel that they should have a better system where people, like I say, the, the lineup was like three blocks long, and then you, when you got, once you got inside, you had to wait again. Right. Yeah, that's interesting, Anne. I thank you for sharing that with us. And so, okay. I mean, you look, the good news is she was able to get in, was able to get her vaccine, but some frustration with uh, how that all played out once, uh, once she got there. Let's see here. This is uh, Don. Don, welcome to the program. Hey, hi, Rob. How are you? Hey, Don. Pretty good, thanks. Good. Hey, I just uh, took my 95-year-old mom in to get her first shot uh, on 137th Avenue, and I have to say, lots of people are complaining. It took me a while to get in, to get in, but I got her appointment, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's a massive undertaking to try and funnel tens of thousands of people through. And um, I think they did a pretty good job considering it's the second day of opening. Uh, it's a lot of staff and a lot of preparation. Um, the lady, the lady before mentioned there was lots of people waiting, and the reason people are waiting is they tell you, don't show up until five minutes before your appointment. And there was people in line waiting that were half an hour ahead of their appointment, so they're they're log jamming things, right? Okay. So if yeah, that could would be follow, it. Yeah. yeah. So if people would follow the instructions, I think it would work a lot better. But you know, everybody wants to be dealt with first and they want everything immediately. And you know, this is tens of thousands of people they have to funnel through here, right? So yeah. um anyways, so I think it it other than logging in uh and trying to get the appointment yesterday online, that was a bit of a pain. But once I got the appointment, the folks at the uh center where you get your shots are really efficient and helpful and pleasant. So just well, wanted to, to sort of say that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't appreciate the phone call. Yeah. I mean, the part about the lineups and, you know, I've, on the COVID testing side, I've experienced that where, you know, you book a test and you give it a time and, you know, you're dealing with a huge lineup and, you know, maybe that's to be expected. Bottom line is, are we able to process people? Are we able to get them through and are we able to, to get them what they need? I mean, the thing, though, and, and why I think it was kind of awkward for the province yesterday is the Alberta government has been saying for weeks now, get us more vaccines, get us more vaccines, get them here. and We're ready to go. We're all set up. We're good to go. We just need the vaccines. And I mean, yesterday suggested that maybe the province wasn't as ready as they had suggested. So, OK, sure, fine. We can expect some some problems along the way. But at the same time, right, the province, if they're going to claim to be ready, then they, they'd better be ready. We'll come back. More time for your calls right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.